0: Today on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.
1: What's the first evidence that should be in your life as a result of Christ coming into your life? Pretty simple,
0: it's obedience. Jesus, power, and sin. That's the message of today's broadcast. Welcome to Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse, takes us back to the Gospels. We're focusing in on the healing of a leper and the significance of this healing by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It really does show us Jesus' power, not only over the physical, but the spiritual as well. Real encouragement straight ahead. Join us with this edition of Graceful Truth now. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. Secondly,
1: you look there in verse two, it says he came, but he also, it says he came and he worshiped him, saying, Lord, he not only came in confidence, but he came in reverence. See, we don't know much about this guy's appearance. We don't know necessarily what he looked like. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't, you know, dressed in dapper clothes and everything because we kind of know some of the clothes he wore, but we, we don't know outside, you know, necessarily, you know, were his eyes blue or what, who knows, but we know what's inside him. We know what's in his heart because it says that he came and he worshiped, saying, Lord. See, and you have to paint this picture in your mind. In Jesus' day, you had religious leaders who put on the finest of clothes and robes and gold and and, and trim their mustaches a certain way just so they'd stand out in a crowd. So everybody, when they walked down the street, would say, whoa, look at that guy. He's so religious. He's so pious. He must be a Pharisee. He must be a Sadducee. He must be one of the religious leaders. Oh, I bet you he's spiritual. Look at the way he walks. That robe just flows behind him. And we've seen Jesus confront that kind of hypocrisy over and over and over again. And here's this poor leper. He gets right up in Jesus' face. And the Pharisees are backing up quickly. And they're thinking, what is going on here? Look at this guy. Look at how he looks. Look at the smell. Ah, get away. But this guy, he came with reverence. It says that he worshiped him. The idea is is that he bowed down before him. He fell prostrate before the Lord. Now, we don't know if if this leper got information about Christ before. Maybe he was back in chapter 4 watching Jesus do all these miracles. We don't know, from afar, obviously, because he couldn't be in a crowd. But somewhere along the line, his heart was touched, and somewhere along the line, he decided, i got to go worship the Lord. I have to be in contact with the Christ. He came and he worshiped in a way as men come before kings and God. He came with a worshiping heart because he knew he was in God's presence. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you came to God with a worshiping heart? When's the last time you came into his presence with a sense of reverence, with a sense of awe, with a sense of I can't believe I'm in the presence of God? We just accept. Yep, go to church, get, get the Bible, get dressed up and go to church. There's no awe. there's no respect, there's no reverence. Hope the music's good, hope they sing a song I like, hope the pastor doesn't go too long, hope he says something that's funny. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. And the Pharisees of Jesus' day were blown away that this leper came up and did this. Not because they respected who Jesus was. They just thought, okay, wait a minute. This guy doesn't have this right to do this. And it says here that he worshiped him. He didn't come and say, Jesus, will you heal me? And I'll worship you. He didn't come and say, Jesus, will you make me better? And then I'll worship you. It's interesting to me that he worshiped him before he sought anything for himself. Before he sought anything for himself, he exalted God. See, beloved, that should be our hearts, not only on Sundays, but every day of the week. We should come to God in reverence, just the fact that we can come into his presence without being burned up. The fact that the Bible says the very God lives within us. Ponder that for a minute. That's a good thought to think about when you're off doing your little secret sin that you think nobody else sees you doing. Stop and think, you know what? The Bible says if I'm a Christian, God lives within me. That'll cool your flesh off real quick. That'll that'll help you put things in perspective. He came with reverence. Before he sought anything for himself, he exalted God because he had a worshiping heart. Thirdly, he came in humility because it says there, a leper came, worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, (laughs) if you are willing, he didn't demand anything. He just said, Lord, which basically is saying, God, I know you're sovereign. I know you're the Lord of the universe. He wasn't using the idea that, hey, well, sir, fine, sir. It's not that kind of Lord. No, it's, it's the kind of Lord that has some uh, power behind it, some reverence behind it. He didn't speak his will as if Jesus had to comply. He didn't try to affirm his own worthiness or his own kind of uh, righteousness before God. He didn't go to Jesus and say, you know, hey, wait, you know, you've healed all these other guys back in chapter four before you went up on the mountain. Now, you know, it's my turn. I demand you heal me. I've been sick. Look at me. I have leprosy. I know you can do it, so do it. He didn't do that. He only said, if you wanted to heal me, Lord, I know you could. I'm not saying you have to because you're the Lord. I'm not the Lord. So I can't demand anything from you. I don't know about you if you watch much TV or if you've ever gone to some of these crusades, these healing deals. That's a far cry from what you see going on in some of these follies that go on in the name of Christ. When people are told to demand a healing from God, who are you to demand anything from God? None of us are worthy to demand anything from God. This man, however, he made no such claim. It says that he worshipped first, never asked for anything. One commentator, Lenski, says that this leper was was willing to accept Jesus' choice for him to remain in his living death. And if he had done so, he probably would have still worshipped him. I believe he would have left the presence of Jesus if Jesus said, hey, well, nice to meet you. Okay, see you later. We'll move on. Never healed him. I believe this man would have still worshiped Christ because he didn't come for a healing. He came to worship him. And also, not only look at his confidence and his reverence, And his humility, but also his faith. Look at what he says. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. (laughs) You can heal me, Lord. That word can there, you can do it, is, is, is the word that we, a Greek word that we get the word power from. And it's not just some little power for life, it's like dynamite power, superpower. That's his faith. It means to have super, super power. And this guy was full of leprosy, according to Dr. Luke. That's what it says. And yet he was still convinced that Jesus had the power. Not that he was demanding, but he could have healed him on the spot. And like I said, maybe he saw Jesus heal some other people. Maybe he knew that could happen. Somewhere along the line, God did a work in this man's heart. One commentator said this, when a man says, if you will, you can do it, he illustrates faith at its highest point because he knows that God is able and yet he still submits to his sovereignty. See, it's one thing to go into the presence of God and say, God, I know you can heal me. Now heal me now, I demand it. That's not faith. That's just being obnoxious in the presence of God. But when you go, God, you know what? I know you can straighten out my situation. I know you could change this. I, can, I know you can do that. But God, whatever you do, I just want your will. I just want to do what you want me to do. And if that means I'm healed, this leper was like, hey, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. There has to come a point in our time where we're okay with what God is doing. It's the highest level of faith. So we came with confidence because he had a deep need that he couldn't meet anywhere else. He came with reverence because he saw God. He knew who he was dealing with. He came with humility because he realized that God was sovereign. And he also came with faith because he knew that Jesus had the power to heal him. But look at how the Lord responds. Look at how the Lord acts in this situation. There's no fanfare. There's no big, you know carnival going on here. It says in verse 3 that Jesus put out his hand and touched him. <laughs> now remember, you got to put yourself back in that time. You have these all these people around who've already backed up to six or 150 feet, and they're watching this thing from afar. And they're probably thinking, what in the world? I mean, what is going to happen to this poor leper? And it says, Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him. And I bet you the crowd just went, what? There was a gasp. He touched a leper? Leviticus 5.3 prohibits that we touch anything that's unclean. And we all know that lepers are unclean. But a touch from someone clean is exactly what this poor leper needed more than anything else. I find it interesting that Jesus did touch him. Do you think he had to touch him? I don't think he had to touch him. He could have just said, yeah, okay, well, you know, you kind of ruined the show here, so be clean, see you later. (laughs) He could have done that. But he didn't. He reached out and he touched him. He was sending a message to someone. I mean, he could have had lightning and thunder and be all clean, boom, you know, smoke and fire and then, boom, the guy's clean. But he didn't do that. He just reached out and touched him. No spectacular dramatics here. And look at what happens. He reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. And then it says, immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. I think he picked a leper because, I mean, leprosy is a a devastating disease. You know, I don't think this guy was coming up to Jesus saying, you know, well, you know, I kind of have a side ache here. You know, you think you can heal me. (laughs) Or I got this problem in my neck. Or I got this or I got that. Now, a leper came who visibly was distraught. His body was full of leprosy. Fingers fell off, toes missing, his face disfigured, open sores over his entire body. And it says immediately he was clean. Now that doesn't mean that immediately, you know, he jumped in a shower and cleaned himself up. It means immediately. Whatever fingers were missing, they were back. Whatever toes were missing, they were back. His face was back to normal. The stench was gone. The open sores were healed. It bothers me when I hear people say today, yeah, you know, I went to this healer and I was healed. And uh, it was great. But, you know, I got to go back. (laughs) What do you mean you got to go back? Well, you know, it kind of wore off or whatever. I don't know what they're thinking. When God heals you, beloved, trust me, it's complete. And you know what? Even as believers, we're a little too frivolous, I think, sometimes with the idea that God divinely healed us or heals other people. Now, I don't want to step on any toes here, but we have to be very careful about what we claim to have as a divine healing. I remember, after I got this thing cut out of my back, this cancer, whatever, and. Remember, I think it was one of my relatives, you know. Well, you know, obviously, the Lord didn't heal me. What are you talking about? I mean, I had to go to a doctor, had to be diagnosed. Then I'd go to another surgeon, and he had to take a knife and cut this thing out of my back. Then they had to stitch it up, wait for the stitching, and all that. That's not a divine healing. What are we thinking? If I would have had a divine healing, I would have never had to go to the doctor. God would have said, be clean. And I would have went back to the doctor and they said, you know, this is kind of weird. It was here. You know, we took a biopsy, but it's not here anymore. Something happened to you, miraculously. That's a divine healing. Let us not confuse the idea of divine healing with God sometimes even, you know, in a miraculous way, equipping doctors to do things today that just... Blow our minds. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't gift those people, and ultimately He's not the, you know, He heals us and all that. I understand that. But let's make a little distinguishment here between what we should call a divine healing. Because when Jesus healed somebody, trust me, they were healed. There is no if, and, or but. There is no, okay, well, you're healed, but you've got to take this medication now. Just take three of these every day, and you'll, no, none of that. It was complete, it was total. They were totally made whole. And I don't know about you, but I'll line up any of these so-called faith healers today, Benny Hinn or whoever else, line them up on the stage and bring a leper up and say, okay, do your stuff. You don't see that, do you? Wonder why? Wonder why it's always something in the liver or something in the neck or old soreness of the back. I mean, we have to be careful today, beloved. I'm not worried about those guys. I'm worried about bringing dishonor to the name of Christ, to the name of our Lord. So Christ, when he healed somebody, trust me, they were healed completely. He says in verse four, and Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Do you ever think what the first evidence should be that Christ has entered your life? What's the first thing? What's the first evidence that should be in your life as a result of Christ coming into your life? It's pretty simple. It's obedience. It's obedience. It's obedience to the things of God. And that's what he says. That's what he's telling him here. He says, now that you've been healed, what's he say? He says, go and do what the law says. The law required him to go to the priest and show himself to the priest. Be obedient to the law of God. That's what he's telling the guy. He said, I healed you and I go be obedient. And it's interesting because you can go back to Leviticus chapter 14 and you can read about this very thing. In the unlikely event, and it was very unlikely, that a leper would ever be healed. It just didn't happen back in those days. But if it did, God in his word, and I think specifically for this reason that we're reading today, in Leviticus 14 said basically, you know what? If somebody is healed, if a leper is healed, we need to verify it. Because you can't just have a leper going back into a crowd if they're really not healed. Well, who's going to verify it? Well, we'll have the priest verify it. So if a leper's healed, he has to go to the priest. And the Bible says in in Leviticus 14, first of all, he had to take two birds. He kill one under running water. The other one, he was to drip in the blood of the first one, along with cedar wood, a scarlet cord, and hyssop, which is the kind of plant they had, and then they allowed it to fly away, picturing the resurrection. And then the former leper washed himself and his clothes. He shaved. He waited seven days to be re-examined by the priest. This is somebody who's thinking they're healed, a leper. Afterwards, he shaved his hair again, his head, his eyebrows. He sacrificed two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb, three-tenths of the measure of fine flour mingled with oil and about a pint of oil and then the leper was to be touched on the tip of his right ear, his thumb, and his big toe with the blood and the oil. Kind of a weird little ceremony, but that's what God required him to do. Upon final examination, if the cure were true, if the priest looked at this guy and he was completely whole and he was healed, he would write him out a certificate and he would say, you know what, you were a leper, but now you're healed, here you go. And that was their ticket, beloved, to get back into society because it was all verified. There was no danger of being infected by this person anymore because they were genuinely healed. You say, all right, that makes sense. That's what the law of God says. That's why Jesus says there in verse four, see that you you go and go your way, show yourself to the priest, offer the gift that Moses commanded. But what about this little part in here? Because it's kind of bothering me. In verse four, Jesus says, he just healed this guy he goes, you know what? Don't tell anybody about this. Don't tell Saul. soul. Don't tell anybody. Just go your way. And make your way down to the temple, the priest. Do your thing down there. Get your certificate. Why? Why would Jesus say that? Weird. It's kind of odd. I mean, you think, man, this is an incredible healing. All these people saw it. He's supposed to go and tell no one? Some commentators believe that You know, Jesus didn't want all these people still following him. He wanted to get some work done. That kind of, you know, it doesn't work out because the crowd was already there and healed other people. So that doesn't really wash out. Other people believe that Jesus didn't want to be exalted during his time of humiliation here on earth. So he didn't want anybody to know about this. But the very purpose he's doing these healings is to demonstrate his divine power. So that kind of washes out. You know, some people believe that they didn't want people to think that he could... You know, and there was legitimate reason for this, that he was the one that was gonna come and overthrow the yoke of slavery that they were under Rome, and he was the one that was gonna conquer the Romans, and that's what they believed, really. A little later on, we see that. In John 6, 15, the people tried to do that very thing. But you know what? The Bible tells us why he said that. It says, and Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, go your way, show yourself to the priest, offer the gift that Moses commanded. Why? What's it say at the end of that verse? As a What? as a testimony to who? To them. As a testimony to them, to the priest. That's why he wanted him to do that. He wanted to go his way, not say anything. You just go to the priest. You explain what happened. You want that certificate. So you have to understand if if the leper would have done what Jesus, by the way, he didn't. (laughs) He wasn't obedient. He was disobedient. But if he would have been obedient, here's what would happen. He would have left the presence of Christ. He would have went down to the temple said, hey, I'm here, uh, you know, in Leviticus 14, the law of God says that if a leper is cleansed, you remember me? I mean, I look a little different, but I'm the same guy. Um, i got to come to you and be examined. And the priest would have said, wow, okay. Yeah, that's what the law of God says. Okay, let's start the process. You know, get the birds. You know, they start doing the little thing there. Seven days passed. Well, is he still, yeah, he's still holding up. Still looks good. Okay. Eight days. Okay, yeah. All right, let me fill it out here. This is incredible. Certificate of cleanliness. By the way, how did this happen? Well, let me tell you, dear priest, while all your religious leaders are around, you know the guy that you're accusing? This Jesus? Well, he's the one that healed me. Now I got evidence to prove it. You know what? The guy didn't do that. <laughs> he left the presence of Christ. And it basically tells us over in Mark, 45, Mark chapter 1, verse 45, that he became so excited that he basically failed to obey and he went out and he shouted to everybody, hey, look at me, I'm healed. He he disobeyed what the Lord told him to do. You remember in in Mark chapter 2, verse 9, Jesus said this, which is more difficult, to heal disease or to forgive sin? Remember he asked that question? Which is more difficult, to heal disease or to forgive sin? Let me ask this more. Do you know why he said that? Do you know why he asked that question? See, In doing the kinds of miracles that Jesus did, he was not only revealing his power over physical disease, but he was also using those healings as illustrations of his power to deal with sin. That's exactly what he was doing. He was using it as an illustration of his power over sin. And I think this morning when we read here in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, yeah, we see a leper being healed, that's great. I think there's a deeper message here. I think it's really almost like we're looking at a picture of someone being saved and the process they go through. Leprosy basically is ceremonial uncleanliness. It's a demonstration of sin. And as I said earlier, just like leprosy, sin is pervasive, it's ugly, it's ugly, It's wretched, it's communicable, it's incurable, it makes you an outcast in the presence of God. And in spite of that, we see this leper coming with confidence. We see because he's desperate over his leprosy, he has nowhere else to go. You know, that's the first step, beloved, in how a conversion takes place. People don't get saved unless they're first desperate.
0: And with that, we come to the end of our time today here on Graceful Truth. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth program, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, 650 366 9923. 650-366-9923. 9923. Or visit us online at gracefultruth.org. And as we close out our time together, back to Pastor Steve once again for a special announcement. Steve? Thanks, Andy. I'd just like to share some
1: exciting information with the ladies in our listening audience. Ladies, we have a real blessing for you coming up on Saturday, October 2nd here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We'll be hosting women's speaker and author Cynthia Heald for our Fall Women's Conference. All the registration information can be found on our church website at www.gracebibleonline.org. Once again, that's gracebibleonline.org. There's a registration form available, so you can simply download it, print it out, fill it out, and mail it to the address indicated. Or you can simply give us a call here at Grace Bible Church, Redwood City, 650-366-9923.
0: Once again, the number is 650-366-9923. We hope to see you in October. Thank you, Steve. And until next week at the same time, may the Lord richly bless you as you seek Christ in his graceful truth.